Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and it is our goal, our responsibility, our obligation every time we come on the air to empower you, our listeners, to knowing, being, and impacting the world around you. That's what we're here for, that's what we love to do, and that's what we hope to do every time we're on the air. And as always, you are welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. You can do so by calling. The primary way is calling the number 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get your thoughts, insights, opinions, whatever you want to do on the air. If you don't want to get it on the air, fine. You can join in on our live chat line, and the the chat room is open. You simply go to the blogtalkradio.com and uh, you'll see our link to the chat room. Get on the chat room there. And you can do so the same thing you would do on the air. You can share it in the chat room if you want to. And there's plenty of other ways. Uh, uh, you can send me a personal email at pastorlorenzoneal at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Prophesy. Uh, go to our Facebook page, Zerod Network. On uh, Facebook, like that page. And then you can also see archives of shows all the way back to I don't know how long. <laughs> but you can catch archives of our shows. Uh, you can go to the website, my uh, my blog site, LorenzoTNeal.com, and, you know, follow-up stories, whatever you may be. However you want to do it, you can, we invite you to participate with us every chance, every opportunity. And we just, I'm just so grateful for you, my listening audience. You guys, every week, you tune in. You download the shows, you follow, you catch the archive shows, and I just appreciate how much you're doing to make this show what it is. Uh, I got a lot to talk about today. It's March Madness, and some folk are going crazy about that, but you know, I'll touch, touch on that a little bit. A couple other stories I talked about. One story, one pastor last week we discussed, and he's back in the news again. We'll talk about him. And uh, another infamous pastor. Uh, Fred Phelps, you probably heard of him. If you don't know, we'll talk about him a little bit. And the and the, the the primary talk, topic that we'll be talking about is a pastor makes a deadly confession. Confesses he confesses to a sin and he literally dies. So that's what we'll be talking about. And we want to get your questions, thoughts, insights on all of these topics and any other things that you may want to discuss. We're open to that. But uh, before we go any further into our show, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you right now for another day. We bless you for being good to us. We thank you for your mercy and grace. Now we ask, oh God, that you would just uh, let the show be glorified to you and edified to your people. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. We pray. Amen. Uh, 
I, 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 I'm recovering from a very busy weekend, and, and I want to send a great uh, – a whole week, rather. And I want to say uh, a shout-out to my church family, the New Bethel AME Church family. Uh, we were in revival last week. You guys did a wonderful job in supporting that and then traveling down when I had to go out to speak. And I tell you, we had a charter bus all the way down to Biloxi, Mississippi. And I, I tell you, it was just a wonderful – we had a wonderful time. Wonderful, wonderful time. So I, I'm kind of recuperating from that. Um, and we got a couple other events that will be coming up and in this uh, upcoming weeks. And I'm excited. I'm just excited about what's going on here. And I'm excited about my members who support all what I do. And can't ask for a better church family than New Bethel. So I appreciate them for letting their pastor do a little bit more <laughs> than just what I do at the church. So. Yeah. I said before, it's March Madness, and it's in full effect. Uh, the brackets have been set. People are setting their brackets, and they're doing all this. I, I don't really care for it, and uh, I, I don't really watch it anymore until the Final Four. Most times, I don't know who's what, and uh, I think, I, 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 hey, it is what it is. Uh, I'm sure President Obama has already picked his brackets. You know, he's a basketball player, so he, he probably already picked his brackets and said who's going to make it what. But... I bet you, I guarantee you there are workplace pools already in effect. Somebody's pooling money to see who's going to win. I bet you there's going to be a lot of uh, loan sharks or betting places that, you know, that are going to be pretty happy uh, for the next couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, college students doing their thing, and um, so we'll see what happens. I, you know, we It is what it is. It is what it is. So, Best of luck to all those teams that are in the, the this uh, tournament. And I may catch a glimpse of a few, but hey. Uh, you, you know what makes me think? Uh, uh, the, you know, the NAAC, NCAA, that's what it is. You know, there, there, recently there was a, 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 uh, an attempt to, to uh, form a union, a players' union, college-level players' union. I know they were doing it for a football team at uh, – Northwest or somewhere in there. I may be mistaken, but uh, the, the the debate is: Should college kids get paid to play? I mean, because uh, these colleges are making millions of dollars off these these players, and and you 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 know if they if they make the slightest misstep academically or uh, you know morality or something like that, they could lose their scholarship and. Anything like that. And most of these kids go to this school hoping for a shot at the NBA or the NFL or, you know, I don't know if there's any other professional. Uh, those are the two main professional sports organizations. Uh, no, uh, hockey, but I know, I know a lot of colleges don't offer hockey. But So they go to these they go to these gate, uh, these schools hoping to, to you know get a shot. They got scouts looking at them doing these tournaments, how they perform. and But, uh, you know, uh, they get little to nothing. I I don't know. I was you know I went to school on scholarship, college on scholarship. I know a lot of students go to college on scholarships, academic. Uh, well, not academic, athletic scholarships, particularly for uh, uh, African American students, uh, young men. That is their primary ticket. You know, uh, I know when I was growing up, you had one or two choices. You know, if you didn't go to college, you either going to go to military or you're going to go to a voc tech school. You know, or you know. Get a job, but it was going to be a good job, you know, some kind of quality job. And I just don't uh, – let me stop before I get to ranting and rambling and all. But um, I hope whoever you're rooting for does a good job uh, in the tournament, and I'll probably catch the final four somewhere. But in church news um, – uh, in church news, you know, I, I, I follow a lot – of preachers and uh you know I, I keep up try to try to keep up in the news about preachers but there's one there's one pastor who has stood out over decades now uh and that is pastor fred now you may not know the name fred phelps personally uh but i'm sure you might be familiar with his movement and his church westboro Baptist Church out of Kansas. I, I want to say it's Topeka. I'm not sure, but it's in Kansas somewhere. Uh, and this church has garnered national and international attention for picketing. And, you know, these are the guys that hold up the God hates fags 
uh, signs and and they've been picket. You know, they first were picketing funerals of homosexuals, and then they started after the war uh, in 2001, 2002. Whenever we went to war, I forgot. You know, it's been so long. Whenever we went to war, both in Iraq and in uh, Afghanistan, where when the soldiers were, when they were, uh, some of the soldiers were returning dead and, you know, they're having funerals. These guys would picket the, the funerals of the soldiers, and they got pretty infamous. Uh, but it, the Huffington Post has reported that um, he, Fred Phelps, the pastor of the Westboro Baptist Church, the ultra fundamentalist church that he founded decades ago is on the edge of death and uh, he's in a hospice facility there in Kansas and they're not expecting him to make it much longer now this may be coming this may come as good news to some folks I'm sure there are a whole lot of people who are just rejoicing over the fact that this man is dead dying if he's not dead already and he may be dead by the time we air this I don't know uh, but, you know, there's so many who are excited about the fact that he is dying. And um, and, and I can understand that. You know, this guy has been promoting hate under the auspice of the Christian church. And uh, his legacy, you know, it's a small church. It's just a, it's a small church. It's mostly his family and uh, their family, you know, his children and their families. And they are... They they are the ones who travel across the country, whatever. Uh, but one of his sons, uh, Nate Phelps, I believe that's his name, spoke to uh, Pathius.com and also to uh, uh, the Huffington Post. And he reported that this guy, this is one of his sons who didn't really agree with the uh, with with the, what they were doing. So he was excommunicated from the church and. And I think that's about 40 years ago, give or take. He was excommunicated, and he's finally gotten back in touch with family members who have said that uh, their father is dying, and you know they're trying to get back and uh, at least get arrangements together. But he has reported that Fred Phelps has actually been excommunicated from his own church. Uh, uh, apparently, last year in 20, 2013, uh, there was a power struggle in the church between him and some of the elders and uh, leaders of the church, and they basically, you know, took over the church and voted him out, excommunicated him because he got soft. The report, uh, the Huffington, Port, Huffington Post reports that he he said they need to have a kinder, gentler approach to other churches and their church fellow church members, and. It's something about aging that makes you, you know, no matter how hard your heart may have been. And I, I believe he had the sincerest of intentions when he was doing this because, you know, he, he was he's an ultra-fundamentalist uh, Baptist preacher. If you're not familiar with that, you know, they uh, anything but King James only, et cetera, et cetera, you know, uh, kind of thing. Everybody going to hell. <laughs> if you do the smallest thing, got to, you know, any sin is going to take you to hell. So uh, the fact that he had gotten softer in his uh, relations to fellow, his own fellow church members, uh, his children, grandchildren, their families, and whoever else were members of the church that uh, may have gotten lenient and they were, you know, he was, he was, you know, they probably was, was going to excommunicate. He probably stood up for him. I don't know. I'm inferring a lot of things. But the report is that he was, uh, because he was advocating a, a kinder, gentler approach, uh, they voted to excommunicate him. And and uh, that's an interesting thing. Now, the the question is, will there be protests at his funeral? Uh, there's another article in the Huffington Post that's saying that they're hoping that there won't be protests. There won't be protesters at his funeral, but, you know, <laughs> I doubt if that's uh, likely. I'm quite sure there'll be plenty of protesters at that funeral, I, unless they do something very, very, very uh, secure and uh, top secret. I, I, I'm, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of people protesting that funeral, but... We do pray for his soul, pray for his family, pray for the church. Maybe this would be a turning point. Maybe uh, because he was the uh, stimulus 
for all of their activity. Maybe this would cause some of them to regroup and rethink any and everything that they've been indoctrinated with. And I guess I do say indoctrinated. I see it as a cult. I, I, I honestly see them as a cult. I think that he created that persona for some. And you know what's interesting about this guy? He and uh, several of his children are, you know, they're lawyers. They, they're trained. And they're smart people, but they've been indoctrinated with this this hate, and it has it has taken away any witness for Christ that they have. They can't say they love God and uh, promote such hate. There's a there's a documentary uh, that you can you, I, I I I I think you should check out. It's called Hellbound, and uh, uh, Fred Phelps and uh, People in his church, uh, representatives of his church are in this documentary. And also Mark Driscoll, who uh, we talked about, and I'm going to touch on him a little bit in, in, a, in a few. But they're in this documentary, and I'm sure it's on Netflix. And uh, it, it's actually about uh, who goes to hell, if hell exists, and some of these questions that, you know, that we wrestle with as Christians uh, about hell. And uh, it gives you, you know, it's really enlightening and insightful uh, documentary so you get a chance check out that documentary it's called hellbound and it's really interesting you you'd enjoy it if you but anyway fred phelps on the way to uh to death we'll see how that's gonna work in his favor <laughs> or the favor of his church the favor of the uh country we'll we'll we just have to wait and see now uh touching on that story i, I mentioned pastor mark driscoll and last week you know, we talked about uh, the church. Should the church fund uh, pastors' extracurricular uh, ventures? You know, professional, personal, whatever it may be. And that that topic stemmed from the fact that um, I had to take a swig of water. It stemmed from the fact that uh, Pastor Mark Driscoll, who is the pastor of Marsh uh, Mars Hills Church. Uh, they're based in, uh, I want to say Seattle, Washington, and they have several campuses, thousands of members. But anyway, he made headlines first uh, when he wrote a book, and I think the book was on marriage. I can't th- uh, can't say the, the the name of it right now, but um, anyway, it became a New York Times bestseller, and it was determined that he had plagiarized some of his book. Now he's a scholar. He, you know, he, like like most pastors, you know, we go to seminary. We learn how to write academically. We know how to do citing and you know references. We know at least we're supposed to know how to do that. And um, he did what most preachers do uh, when we're preaching, and not when we're writing. You know, when we're preaching, we borrow. When we plagiarize all the time, you know, we'll. I, I've heard preachers preach a whole a, 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 a preacher's whole sermon. <laughs> and not give credit to that. And you know, the running joke among us preachers is that if we tell a pa- we tell another preacher that we're gonna preach a sermon, we'll give them credit first, and then by the second time we, if we preach it again to a different audience, we'll say we heard somebody say, and then by the third time it's all ours. You know, we claim full responsibility for it. But anyway, um, he, he, that was the first. That was the first incident. The second incident that came out that what we discussed is that it came to light that his church funded about $216,000 to help his book get on the bestsellers list. And, and that's what we were discussing, you know, should the church fund. Um, and what it was, it was, you know, backroom deals with companies and media outlets, I suppose. I, I'm not sure. But either way, uh, there were some ethical issues involved that, that you know, that caused him to re- rethink the whole thing. And so uh, last week he retracted the book and he released a letter to his family and to uh, his members, church members, by, by way of their website or however he did it, saying that he uh he was apologetically he was apologizing for being uh this this mean prophet you know this uh 
this angry prophet. That's what he's known for. And, uh, you know, I, I have a great deal of respect for uh, Pastor Driscoll, his ministry, and uh, insight. Of, uh, I've heard him speak on a number of occasions, and, he, you know, he's well-versed and uh, very articulate in trying to convince uh, convince what he is, uh, promote what he is, is, is teaching. Uh, but the problem, of course, with him and with others is that we get to, and other preachers, and I'm including myself, you know, we kind of get beside ourselves. And he said, he acknowledged that he was not, he's going to stop trying to be a celebrity pastor. And, uh, and I wish more pastors would do this. This is one of the struggles that I have. You know, I have a lot of talents that are underdeveloped. And I, I realize that they are underdeveloped. And I've done that unintentionally and intentionally. I, I, I look at pay, uh, some pastors who become successful. It gets to their head. And next thing you know, they're in some type of you know scandal or whatnot. And that's been a part of my – and I, I'm admitting this. That's been a part of my fear for not fully uh, acclimating all the gifts that, and, and the talents that I have. I have a lot of gifts and talents. I do a lot of things behind the scenes for a lot of people. That if I were to do for myself, I'm quite sure that even like this radio show, it would be far ahead than where it is right now. Uh, but the fear is that I would become uh, a celebrity pastor like T.D. Jakes and uh, uh, those who were on the um, Pastors of L.A. Uh, it, it, get, it gets to a point where the persona of the pastor overtakes, overcomes or basically takes over the ministry of the pastor. So they have to keep recreating themselves, reinventing themselves. And their the messages, their the sermons have to be more, you know, diluted. And that's an unintentional consequence. And I, I would, when I think about what he said, how he was, you know, going to stop being the angry prophet while it was making him more notable, it was withdrawing him from the ministry that he was, you know, that he had planted and watched grow. And while he was doing more for others outside of his church, he has realized that his calling is to his church. His primary ministry is to his church. I think a good example of a balanced pastor for me, a balanced pastor, uh, is Pastor Tony Tony Evans out of uh, Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in um Dallas, Texas. He's really balanced. He has, I, I've admired him since I was a teenager, the way that he has been an administrative pastor, has an outreach ministry that touches millions across the world, is the, a prolific author and speaker, as well as a gifted teacher, but he realizes his primary responsibility is as pastor of the church. And I've been to this church uh, several times I've had the chance to sit with him and eat with him and just observe him. And I notice uh, how he has managed to balance his family, balance the ministry, and balance his celebrity without it overtaking him. And and I, I applaud Pastor Driscoll for for uh, coming getting to that point and I, I know it it took a lot of scandal and he, you know he had there were several other issues that he addressed in the letter that brought about that he doesn't want to be the angry prophet to, anymore and and my question my question to the other preachers those who listen uh, and those who pastor you know how ambitious do you want to be there's nothing wrong with ambition god gave us that we are to we should be ambitious think about david david was very ambition ambitious uh, you know, as a shepherd, he understood, <laughs> that, you know, well, not as a shepherd, but uh, while protecting Saul was part of Saul's war entourage, he, you know, he was very popular. And, and there was a, if you read in the, uh, the account in Samuel, that there was a scene, there was a song that the maidens were singing that said, Saul has slayed his thousands and David has slayed his tens of thousands. And there was another account where Saul was uh, attempting to, you know, get David killed on several occasions. But one particular occasion, he sent David on a very specific dangerous mission. He told him to go and get the foreskins of a hundred Philistines and bring them back to him. 
Now, if you know what foreskins in, that should, you know, <laughs> if you don't look it up, but for us guys, you, you should know what a foreskin is. And David not only got a hundred foreskins, but he got double that. He brought back to Saul two hundred foreskins and counted it out in front of Saul, <laughs> which angered Saul more. But it kind of showed the ambition that David had, and and David was a man of war. And you know, once once uh, Saul died, he continued in war, and they made him king. He united the kingdom, stayed in the kingdom as a king for a dumb, you know number of years to scandal caused him, and not to scandal with Bathsheba, but internal family and power struggles caused him to you know to uh, eventually lead. That eventually led to the division uh, of the kingdom. I said all that uh, because, you know, I, I struggle with it. You know, I, I want to be this nice, prolific author, the radio host, pastor, the traveler, you know, the itinerant who, who is out speaking all over the country and the world. But the reality is that if and, – and, and it's individually based because some people can handle it, some people can't. Um, and, and, but at least he's coming to – Mark Driscoll has come to the point where he realized his priority is to his church. And when you have uh, a megasite church like he has, multi-site church like he has, uh, you know, I can see how he would want to focus on that. But me, you know, just speaking to me personally, I'm still struggling with trying to find that balance. And should God raise me, uh, raise my level and of – attention or whatever, you know, popularity. I, I hope that I'm prepared. Uh, I am hope that I'm prepared emotionally, mentally, and especially spiritually for that. Uh, but I'm also hope, hoping that um, I won't let it get the best of me. Anyway, that that's my two cents, four cents, six cents a dollar. If you want to share some uh, thoughts, insight on either one of those topics, just feel free to do so. Call 347-237-5230. Send a a chat and, uh, you know, send something in the chat room or email, whatever it may be. Uh, That's what we will do. We're going to take a quick break, and um, I I really went over my time with that uh, that, uh, but, uh, you know, I felt it was that. But when we come back, we're going to ask you a question. What would you do if your pastor dropped dead after confession? Uh, it's going to be interesting. I hope we get some good comments and commentary, but y'all know I talk it anyway. But uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back from this break, that is what we will be discussing. We'll be back right after this. make you smarter about insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Off to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry? Ah. What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. With the Name Your Price tool, you tell us what you want to pay, and we give you a range of coverages to choose from. Who is she? That's Flobot. She's this new robot we're trying out, mostly for, like, small stuff. Wow. Look at her go. She's pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, Flobot. Great job. Oops. Uh-oh, Flobot is broken. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. Call or click today. My friends and listeners, if you are in the Little Rock, Arkansas area or any surrounding area of uh, Arkansas, I want to join me and Bishop Samuel L. Green and the 12th Episcopal District of the African Methodist Episcopal Church for the God First Holy Convocation in 2014, releasing the power. That is April the 2nd through the 5th. 
2014 and will be held at the Marriott Hotel State House Convention Center right in the heart of Little Rock, Arkansas. And I tell you, this is going to be one event you don't want to miss. There's a plethora of workshops and very, very great presenters and speakers and some wonderful, powerful preaching, beginning with our own Senior Bishop John R. Bryan, who is the Senior Bishop of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, Bishop Paul S. Morton, presiding prelate of the Full Gospel Baptist Church Fellowship. He'd be one of the speakers. A dynamic pastor and preacher, Dr. Charles Booth, will be there, and so many, many others. And, and there'll be music provided by special guest, uh, Byron Cage. You probably know him from all his great singing. Uh, Aaron Butler is also going to be one of the guest summers and presenters. And there will be some wonderful workshops, some wonderful preaching. I tell you, there's even going to be a youth and young adult experience with a free gospel concert by uh, the winner of BET's Gospel Best, Joshua Rogers. So you don't want to miss the God First Holy Convocation 2014. That is April the 2nd through the 5th in Little Rock, Arkansas. I don't want you to meet me there. I want you to beat me there. Jackson State University is not just another university. It's a community. It's a family. And that's not all. Jackson State University is a national leader in biomedical research and development with world-class science, math, engineering, and technology departments. At Jackson State University, we're leading the way in technology and innovation. One Jackson State University, changing lives one student at a time. You've heard the saying, clothes make the man. Used to be that way with suits. Wear one and you'd start to think like one. Wall Street before Main Street, profit before people. Well, that's changing. I mean, look around. You see a lot more guys wearing the suits. They're not thinking like suits. What it comes down to is this. Today, you don't have to be one to wear one. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. Welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and we're glad that you're joining with us. Again, we want to invite you to share in this, uh, this conversation, this topic. Uh, help us empower the world, empower you, empower those who listen. And we invite you to do that. Call 347-237-5230. Uh, we, we approach the bottom of the hour, and the topic of the discussion is the deadly confession. Now, here's the story. Uh, in Bridgeport, Bridgeport Connecticut, uh, the pastor of Miracle Faith World Outreach Church, uh, and his name is Bishop Bobby Davis. And he's the pastor. He's the founder uh, of this church and of this community, and, and he is now dead. Now, here's the story. He, uh, he had church, regular service, and Sunday after the service, he called for the church to remain, and he said he had something he wanted to confess to. And he continued to confess to infidelity from years ago, and uh, doesn't state, the article doesn't state uh, whether it was numerous occasions or one occasion, uh, but either way, he confessed to his congregation that he had been unfaithful in his marriage. And while the congregation were uh, yelling at him, they were yelling at him words of support. They were yelling that they forgive him, they support him, and they, you know, they were trying to surround him with love. And it, it, it's, it's not sure if if he was reacting to them or reacting to the guilt or whatever it may be, but 
he ended up collapsing after making that uh, confession. He ended up collapsing. He ended up being taken to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. That's the gist of the story. But the, here's the background of the story. Uh, he had confessed it to his wife uh, before this incident, before he confessed it to the church. He confessed it to his wife. Um, wife, you know, she, uh, she reported to have forgiven him. Uh, somehow, one of the children found out, and uh, I guess they were they got angry. The ch- that child got angry and upset, and they got into a little you know a little conflict. Uh, not sure if it was physical or just a verbal uh, shouting match or whatever it may have been. Uh, and the wife conceded that he should, or said that he should confess to the church. Uh, and so is, that is what he did. And it's not clear uh, whether the, the, the support of the church overwhelmed him or whether the stress of the shouting overwhelmed him or whether the sense of repentance and guilt, uh, whatever, overwhelmed him, but he died. And it's a scary for me, it's a scary, scary thing. Now, I've I read numerous occasions where pastors have died while preaching. Matter of fact, I had been in a in a service where the pastor collapsed just after preaching and was rushed to the hospital, and he died. Uh, and he was a young pastor too. You know? I mean, in his mid forties. And of course, we we have we have talked about pastors who have uh, taken their own lives. Uh, but this is a unique situation. Here the pastor is confessing to a sin, and he dies after confessing to the sin. Now, that should put fear. <laughs> it would put fear in my heart uh, if I was just a, a member of the congregation. You know, I'd be like, oh, Lord, I need to get right. I need to get right. Uh, but my question is is twofold. One, how would you react uh, in this case? What, what would you do uh, as a member? If you're a lay person, what would you do as a member? Uh, if you're a minister, what would you do uh, if it was your pastor? And the the second part of that question is, should the, is that a message? Do you think God is sending a message by way of this pastor's death? Uh, so those are two questions. I, I, I'd like to get your insight on I, I have my answer, and I'm going to address this in a, in a second. But uh, I, I wonder particularly how he must have felt when he knew that he was going to make this confession. Uh, I, 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 I try to be a transparent pastor. You know, I don't let folks know all of my business, but when there are really serious issues or concerns, and I've had to address some since I've been here at New Bethel a lot, uh, not you know, not anything major, but there's just been some some concerns that my members have addressed me with, and you know I've been able to have the courage to be straightforward with them on some things. There was one incident I never forget. I was a young pastor in my early twenties, and I was at a church in rural Arkansas, and I'm not going to give the name of the church or the location, but it was rural Arkansas, and I was married at the time, and. My wife and I were both in ministry together. She was uh, uh, she was in ministry with me, and uh, uh, we we you know we we traveled to church together, uh, but we uh, we were not in marital bliss at that time. We were having some some issues, some very some really really strong issues in our marriage, um, and both of us were unsure how to really deal with it. It, even though we had gone to marital counseling and some other things, you know, we had some, uh, we were part of a marriage ministry at another church, but we still had some issues. And I fell into sin. I, I actually fell into sin. There was a young lady who was giving me attention I wasn't getting from my ex-wife, and that led to an inappropriate relationship. Young lady was not an official member of the church, but her grandmother was a member of the church, and she lived with her grandmother. And uh, 
my members saw the tension that, you know, you think you could fool people in the church. But sometimes, especially in the small rural church where I pastored at the time, you know, uh, they sensed when we were not on the same page because we'd be in the pulpit or uh, and she'd just be off her. You know, she could you could just tell she didn't want to be there. She made it pretty obvious sometimes, and, and even when I'd be preaching or she'd be preaching, you know, there was there was an aura that let them know there was some, some type of dissension between us. Either way, anyway, so I was getting attention from this young lady, and it was inappropriate, and the members recognized it, and I thank God for these members, uh, particularly the grandmother. The grandmother came to me, and she said, Pastor. I I understand what you and your wife are going through, and I understand, I know about what's going on with, you know, the relationship. I know it's seemingly, you know, it it doesn't seem to be inappropriate, but it is. And then she got real bold. She said, and I just want you to know, somebody's going to be hurt. Somebody's going to get hurt, and it ain't going to be her. You catch my drift? She She was flat out telling me. That uh, if I if that relationship continued, somebody would be hurt. It wouldn't be her granddaughter. It was going to be me. Now it wasn't a physical threat, but you know, it was basically saying, you know, it might be God. God may do it, or she has some very big uncles. <laughs> but nonetheless, the Lord used her to bring that to me, and I was I repented, you know, uh, without having to go through public humiliation. Uh, we were able to resolve the matter and create necessary boundaries so that I could uh, not have any inappropriate relations with the young lady, which was, and again, there are not a lot of churches, members who would do that for their pastors. Uh, I had the blessing of being in that rural area, small church, and they cared for their pastor's whole being, you know, morally and, you know, physically. They, they wanted me to be an upright preacher. And, and I'm thankful that they did that. And I'm surrounded by people who still do that. And I slip. I'd be I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I didn't slip. As most people do. Everybody does. And I'd be the first one to admit it. Um, now, the question is, would I, if I were in this situation. Now, when I was in that situation, again, I was young. I'm very young. You know, young preacher. Uh, well, you know, I was a young, uh, young pastor. I had been in ministry for some years. But I was a young pastor. And still kind of. You know, hadn't gotten out of the youthful lust kind of thing. So I'm I'm grateful for that. I uh I didn't I didn't I wasn't going to get up there and confess. You know that that wasn't going to happen. I can tell you that now. I wasn't. Uh, however, now the older I get, I am more I'm more uh, likely should I fall into some type of 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 sin. I am more likely to have the courage to acknowledge it. If it's directly affecting, if it's going to directly affect my congregation, uh, which some people can do, some preachers don't do. And it agrees me when there are a lot of preachers who, and there's one incident, and oh, well, several incidents. I, I have been uh, personally involved in where the pastor has been in, in morality, particularly sexual immorality, and the members were fully aware, and they did nothing. You know, they're just like, let it go, and you know it, it causes a lot of disarray in the church. I, 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 you know, I don't know how these. I, I'm, I applaud the members for saying they supported him. You know, they forgave him and all of that. I, I, I supported, I supported him. But it, it kind of reminds me, the the flip side of that. You know, you guys remember the story of Bishop Eddie Long. Bishop Eddie Long's scandal was probably worse on him than it could have been. Uh, should have been, because while he had his accusers, he got before his congregation and said that I'm going to fight. I got five stones and I'm going to fight and you know I'm going to hit it, and then turn around and settle for over twenty-five million dollars, I believe it was. So without fully acknowledging guilt on his part, he was able to be. You know, he was able to get off, and his members supported him. You know, they were on television supporting their pastor, their bishop. They were they were doing all this, and uh, uh, there were people who left the church. There were pastors who stood by him. Creflo Dollar uh, 
made the infamous comment that because that pastor got in a wreck, you know, he wouldn't address the sin. And then there was uh, T.D. Jakes and others who distanced themselves from from uh, uh, Bishop Long. And, uh, uh, you know, member, some members left. But, but again, Long did not confess. He and he still hadn't confessed, and that that story is a whole. It got weirder as time progressed. Uh, but I know of a lot of pastors who would not admit to something like that. It takes courage to do what he did. Now, uh, his wife admonished him to do it, but it, it took a lot of courage. And I I I wonder if that is what I don't know how old he was, uh, you know. But he apparently had uh, the church had been around for a while, so I can assume he was an older older man but uh, uh but that took a lot of courage so you got i you have to applaud him for the courage to stand and admit and i can you know i can just imagine how how difficult it was how much he wrestled with that if he preached that morning you know what did he preach on uh or if he didn't preach uh how did he how did he know how did he prepare himself to make that announcement and um but those are one of the things that we face as, as pastors. The idea is that we, once we ascertain this role, this position, as pastors, don't sin as much. Uh, and there are some who believe that they don't sin altogether. Uh, I am not one of those. I, I'm, I am, I am fully aware of myself, my flaws, and my deficiencies. I don't want to flaunt them. Uh, and I would definitely not infringe my own impositions, things that I place on myself, impose on myself to try to stay clean. I would dare not impose them on others. You know, I don't. I've never been the legalistic type uh, of preacher. You know, I've never been the one that says "do as I say and not as I do." Uh, I've always been, uh, as Paul, one who walks among the very people that he's called to. And, and I try to keep that, you know, is 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 humbling, but at the same time, it, it, it makes me be accountable to my parishioners, those who I am uh, called to shepherd. Makes me be accountable, and I and, and there are some advantages to that, but there are also some disadvantages. And uh, I, the story that I shared earlier, the advantage was the, the location. <laughs> The location and the membership it was a small, small family run, you know, mostly family church, and the fact that uh, they understood that I was young, that this was during the time that I should make the mistakes, you know, I, I dare not, I cannot fathom a a pastor in their 40s and 50s who had been in ministry for a long time. And I'm talking, I'm not talking about two, three years preaching and then you know i know some preachers they preach their first sermon and then the next week they're pastor or somebody just calls themselves a preacher and starts a church and has no accountability and i'm not talking about those i'm talking about seasons seasoned ministers you know been in the game uh 20 30 years i'm not talking about i'm not talking that's who i'm talking about i'm not talking about these these newbies but those individuals uh it is very difficult to and it's quite a a challenge to have to admit that you're a flawed human, that you're a flawed pastor, that you are capable of falling into sin, capable of sinning. And uh, I'm getting to the point where I realize that uh, the older I get, the more challenging it is for me to acknowledge how flawed I am. And I know that kind of sounds like a discrepancy based on what I said, but it is because uh, I'm single, um, and the challenge of being a single pastor in and of itself is something that I can't even begin to to discuss. And I like women. I, I you know, I, I love I love women. You know, I I ain't got a problem admitting it. <laughs> uh, uh, I, and and. You know, I'm not going. I'm not one of those who chase. You know, uh, at least I like to believe that. And y'all, some of your listeners <laughs> may think otherwise. Especially some of my friends who listen, they may think otherwise. I don't know. 
That has yet to be determined. But uh, one of my goals, I don't want to be, uh, I, like I said before, I try to be transparent. But I, I don't want to be the kind of pastor falls into sin and try to cover it up. Uh, I, 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 uh, I, you know, sometimes it's good to keep secrets, and and that, that's healthy to a degree. You don't want everybody in your business because once folk get in it, they run with it, and it, it morphs into something worse than what it actually is. It becomes more difficult to manage emotionally and definitely spiritually because it causes a, a lot of chaos, excess chaos, unnecessary chaos, and. Uh, that's just that's just some things, but I do find it I find it interesting how uh, there is little to no support for pastors to be able to be transparent with themselves, with their families, and with with especially with their church. Now I know a lot of persons, you know, lay men, lay persons, men in the church can get away with anything, you know. Uh, deacons can be the biggest hoes, excuse my language, but you know, and they can get away with it. But if the pastor is trying to outdo the deacon, <laughs> you know, it becomes a problem. You know, deacon go, the deacon is going to eventually try to keep his ego intact and you know out the pastor before he get caught. I'm just, you know, I, that's a bit extreme. I know it's a bit extreme, but in some cases that may be the case when it comes to pastors. In pastoral ministry, while there are some connections and while we are able to have like minds in some areas, in the personal arena, we are closely guarded. Sometimes even our families aren't aware of the personal struggles we experience. And that was in the case of the pastor who committed suicide uh, last year. Uh, His own family wasn't aware, fully aware of the struggle, the internal struggle that he had as a result of some some very traumatic experiences, the you know deaths and whatnot, uh, and that's that's the problem. And my thing, and I and my church is learning to be this this supportive. One of the biggest things that I I I recognize, I I used to travel, uh, well I did a lot, of, I do a lot of traveling by myself, uh, and. This past weekend, we my church traveled with me to my speaking engagement. Usually, I travel by myself and just let them know where I'm going, uh, and let them know, you know, I have some key persons who I let them know when I'm leaving, let them know when I've arrived, and all those, you know, they know what hotel I'm staying in, and all of that. Anytime I'm traveling, most times I have someone in my church who knows, or someone close to me who knows. Uh, Almost low my train of thought just that quick. Uh but uh I I yielded to their concern for me traveling alone. And you know, they 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 chartered a bus and they, they traveled with me. So when I was preaching I got up and uh, you know, in my opening remarks one of the things I said, I said my folk came down here to make sure I stay out of trouble. <laughs> And I, I, you know, I was joking when I said that, but I was also serious. You know, uh, it was a, it was a way of accountability for me. Not that I would have gotten in any trouble or anything like that, you know. But it's just the way, I, the way I said it. I, I, I sincerely meant it. It was a means of accountability and oversight. You know, just for the fact that they were with me, made it less likely for me to fall in diverse temptations. You know, you could take that, that. That statement, however you want to, it doesn't matter to me. You know, I'm, you know, some people will take it and fly with it, but it doesn't matter. But that 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 gave me a sense of family and uh, a sense of uh, authenticity for their concern for me, and that's what I appreciate. And that's why, you know, in my opening of the show, that's why I expressed that thanks to them and and so many others who who I can be accountable to because they they help me, but. I think we need more pastors who are willing to be transparent with each other. And y'all know pastors could, boy, you may not know, pastors can be just as hater, hating as any other occupation, you know. It, it, it's a, it, it, it can get rough. 
and I know in the AME church it is rough. <laughs> in the AME church, uh, pastoring is a rough occupation because it gets political, and you know it's about sometimes the backroom deals, the who you know, not necessarily where you called or not. So, hey. But I, I, my, my thing is for pastors. I want to encourage you, those who are listening, and and and, and the laypersons who are listening. If you're a member, and you, you know, express. Don't be afraid to express your concern about your pastor to your pastor, if you're aware of something. You know, it. And if that person, if that pastor, male or female, if they are humble enough to receive your concern, it could help them. It could change their life. It could change the direction of their ministry. And I believe, I want to believe that he was content, that the bishop, uh, that bishop was uh, was content. And I've I've read on several threads that people were just exact, you know, expressing uh, relief that he was able to confess and repent before he dropped dead, you know, before it. And that's that's a that's a that's a good thing, but. I mean, you, you have to create an atmosphere where the pastor feels comfortable doing that. I don't mind. I've gotten to the point now where I'm able to share some things, not not a lot of things, because uh, some pre, some some members just can't take uh, some of the some of the issues and sh- that the pastors are struggling with. They just can't fathom it, and uh, they they don't know they would don't know would not know how to react to it. So they may you know give uh, wrong. Wrong, you know, they may take it the wrong way. They may do something awkward. It, 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 that's possible. It's plausible. But at least if the pastor has an, an uh, has created an environment where transparency is appreciated, honesty is pre- appreciated, where uh, a person can be free, you know, a free environment in church, and that's what I try to create here at New Bethel and every church I pastor, especially after. That that particular church, I learned to be uh, a little bit more transparent. And every church I've been at, being a single pastor, the members have been very much aware of what could be. You know, not what is, but what could be. And some who are aware of what is are prayerful for pastor. And, you know, don't mind sharing their concerns. And I appreciate that. And I got it here in New Bethel if I had it at Every church I've pastored, and it has been a blessing to me. It's been challenging. I ain't going to lie to you. Sometimes they have come to me and told me about myself, and I just wanted to go off on them. But, you know, Lord held my tongue, and I could just only receive it, take it like a man. And, you know, the same thing when we get the correction of the Lord, you know, we take it. It's not that he doesn't He do it to hurt us. He does it to help us. And, and I, I believe that's that's the kind of environment pastors need. An environment where members are there to help the pastor just as they expect the pastor to help them. And when there is that type of uh, collaboration and spiritual growth and development, you find a better atmosphere for people. And, and one of the things uh, in, our, in our vision statement of the church at Do Better, we say, is an atmosphere where everybody feels welcome, accepted, and loved. And that's a broad, broad thing, and some people may mistake that, but it is. I want everybody to feel welcome, loved, and accepted in spite of themselves, and that's what we try to create. But hey, everybody ain't able to do that. It's tough, but I think, I think that is something that should consider. So uh, we're running out of time, and I appreciate everybody listening again. And I wish I could talk a little bit about this more. But if you want to continue the dialogue, you know what to do. Go to the Facebook page, Zero Today, uh, Zero Network Today, uh, and share the thoughts. Share your comments. Send me an email, PastorRenzoNeal at gmail dot com. Uh, feel free. I'm open to it. I don't mind. And um, you know, next week we'll come back with another powerful topic, whatever, and whatever you think we should be talking about, let us know. We're always on the look, uh, look out for good subjects. I, I tell you, I don't mind it at all. But until next week, this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I thank you all for listening, tuning in, and thank you for all your support. Remember, you can catch this episode and any other episode if you have, may have missed simply by uh, going to 
uh, blogtalkradio.com zero day, and you'll find all the episodes. You can download it uh, on iTunes, however you may want to do it. But uh, it's time for me to go. This is me, Pastor Neil. God bless you.